And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Hi, welcome to the Mentors Radio Show. We're rotating CEO host challenge you're thinking about life and work. I'm John Phillips, your host for today, and I'm really glad you joined us. We have a great show planned for you. We will be talking to one of my good friends, Chris Smith, about telling your story. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll learn a lot that you can apply to your work and your business right away. So don't touch that dial. But before we get started, I want to remind you, you can call or email us. Yes, you can do this. We want you to hear, we want to hear your questions and concerns. It's important to us. That's what we're here for. We're here for you. You can send us a note, give us a call anytime, day or night, and you can find show notes, podcasts, link to sponsors, and more all free at thementorsradio.com. Grab a pen and paper and write it down. It's thementorsradio.com. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you make or how high you are on the corporate ladder. It's really about finding fulfillment and meaning in your life and work. What makes you happy, what gives you a sense of peace and purpose, that's what you need to be doing in life and work. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. For my wife and I, it was starting our own stained glass company. It was an industry I knew well. I had a passion for preserving history, stunning beauty, and inspiration of stained glass artwork in churches and other buildings. So that's what we did. We launched our own stained glass company. We built it from the ground up. It was not an easy journey, but we loved it and we still do. For us, from the beginning, we wanted to keep create a company culture that worked together like family and put the customer first. And we knew that to do this well, we had to create an in-house culture where there was honest trust, mutual respect, good in-house communications among a broad variety of work crews in different parts of the country, a clear sense of mission and purpose, and the best tools to get the job done, including customer service and sales tools. We made sure we had the right training in place for our employees. We didn't skimp on training. You never want to skimp on training. Think about it. Our employees might be the only face of the company that our customer sees. It's on us as owners and CEOs to hire the best people and to train our team very well. If there are any problems along the way, we trained our team to solve the problems quickly and to the customer satisfaction. I tell you, when you work as a team, the customer is happy. It feels great. Everyone feels great. When that happens, the money follows. And it always does if you focus on serving others well, on solving problems that others have. Put the people and your services are always first. Okay. 
is I can tell my experience, as you can tell, my experience is building a business that stands out, that makes customers happy to do business with. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to make things happen smoothly. I call it the nuts and bolts of running successful business. And we'll be talking about that today. Let's say you want to start a business doing something you love. Maybe you already started that business. Now the big question is, how do you communicate your passion, your expertise? What you do, how do you communicate that to your target customers in a way that they want to do business with you? Now maybe you're working in corporate America. You may be thinking, oh yeah, I don't have to worry about branding. I'm in IT or admin. Branding is for the marketing department. Wait a minute. You are your own brand. How you talk, what you say, how professionally you dress or don't dress, how you handle stressful situations. All of these things communicated who you are. All these things communicate who you are at some level. So keep listening. You're sure to pick up a few things that apply to the brand of you as much as the branding of your product or your company. I would like to welcome Chris Smith. Chris Smith is a personal friend of mine. He's going to talk about how your brand story can build your culture. Chris, welcome back to the show. The last time you were with us, you had taken a lady through some exercises on, on her branding. Uh, today we want to talk about the next step with that branding, how we create that brand and then how we use it to build more culture. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, thanks, John. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, one of the things that I believe so strongly about culture, uh, especially as it relates to your brand, is unfortunately I think the term brand is often um, really misunderstood, and this isn't something that I, I mean, I, other people have talked about this, but unfortunately, a lot of companies you go into and you ask them, hey, what, what is, not even what is their brand. You just ask the question, what is, it, what is the definition of a brand? What does it mean to have a brand? And you'll get ideas like, oh, your brand is your logo. Your brand is your branding. Your brand is your marketing. Your brand is your story. Well, the way I define brand and, some, and other people do is that your brand is different than your branding. So we're talking about two different things. And to me, your brand is what you stand for. It's, it's, it's the internal clarity around what it is you stand for as an organization and your values and your purpose. And then your branding, your branding is the external manifestation of your brand. And so I really view it like you have this internal brand and you have an external brand. So your internal brand is what is your brand to your team, to the leadership, to all the employees. What does your internal brand communicate? And then your external brand is what your clients and customers see. Now, the goal is to have the two of those things be in alignment. You know, the goal is to have your external brand be completely aligned to the clarity of your internal brand. But so many organizations were so focused on selling to clients and customers and we're so focused on growth that oftentimes we overlook our internal brand. We overlook this idea of building a brand internally because we're so focused on our branding and our marketing and driving sales and growing revenue. But my belief is that you'll never create an experience for your clients and customers more powerful than the one you create for your own employees. And, and so being really, really intentional about that internal brand first 
to really drive culture. Again, just like I shared this on, on the last segment I was on with Catherine around her story, I think sometimes we go out and build a brand around external clients and customers, and then we let our external branding kind of drive the internal brand. And I think it's, that's opposite. I think our internal brand and the clarity of who we are should drive everything we communicate out into the world. So when you have a really clear, intentional brand internally that everyone can align to, then there's no question like what the brand stands for. And, and John, when I go and work with leadership teams, often I'll go into a room and, you know, there'll be maybe like four or five or six of the, you know, key executive leaders. And I'll ask each of them individually, like, what do you think your brand stands for? Not your branding, not your marketing, but your brand, your culture. And oftentimes they have completely different answers. Like there's, there's a misalignment there. And so it Chris, starts let's, there. Let's hold on to that thought. My name is John Phillips. I'm your mentor for the day. I'm speaking with Chris Smith of the Campfire Effect. We're talking about your internal brand and how you can create culture with the correct branding. Stay with us after the break. We'll be back and talk to Chris more about branding. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, where CEOs challenge your thinking about life and work. Remember, you can send us a note, find show notes and podcasts, and links to sponsors all for free at TheMentorsRadio.com. Write it down. It's TheMentorsRadio.com. I'm John Phillips. Your host for today, we're talking with Chris Smith of the Campfire Effect. Before the break, Chris was telling us about the internal brand of a company, how it's so often overlooked, but it creates a culture that companies oper operate from. Successful companies operate uh, successfully from the inside. Their, their employees being all on the same page, working together in unison, creates a great product and great relationships with customers, which also helps with growth. Before the break, Chris, you talked about how you would get keep key people from companies that you're working with into a room and ask them a few questions. Can you pick up there? Yeah. So it, it was just surprising to me how many organizations, the, the senior leaders really kind of were on different pages about what their own internal brand was, what the company stood for and what the culture they were creating. And then you see that manifest itself into all kinds of areas, you know, in a, in a non-powerful way that eventually makes it up, makes it its way out into the branding and the marketing itself. Um, so, so the, so the clarity of your external branding is actually driven by the clarity of your internal brand, which, which is the thing that really drives your culture and, and creates your culture. And so, you know, if you can get, if you can start at the senior leadership level and get really clear internally first, what we're creating, that really like that clarity should govern every decision you make in your business. Like the clarity of what you stand for and the culture and the values should govern all of the decisions and the strategy from that, from that, you know, so that you're never getting out of alignment with what you stand for. The other thing, John, is that in the, just in the last few years, culture has come a long way. And what I mean by that is, you know, even just, even just a few years ago, there was a lot of companies that were saying things like, you know, culture and storytelling, it's important, but it's kind of a fluffy topic. It's not, it's not going to make or break your business. You know, it's all about sales. Well, now more and more research is coming out that's proving that there's a direct correlation between a company's culture and their ROI, their revenue, their profit. Like, you know, so there's an amazing book called The Trust Factor that shares a lot of research that, like, there's no coincidence that the companies that have the highest rated cultures by their employees 
and the companies that have the strongest clarity around their internal brand, they're also the companies that experience the most top-line revenue growth, the most profit, the most engaged employees, the lowest turnover. So it's actually now being proven through really, you know, credible research that the strongest way to grow a business from a profitability, engaged employees, low turnover is the, is culture. And, and so, you know, one of the things that where I believe the real magic in this, John, if a company is willing to go to this level, you know, and this is a great, great thing for even you and you and Mary to consider in your guys' business is if you have taken that step to get really clear on your internal brand and your internal culture, let's say you've done that as a business owner. And let's say that your leadership team is completely aligned, that this is what we stand for. This is how we do things. This is what we believe. This is who we are. The next step is making sure that every single one of your employees knows that, right? So let's assume that's been done as well. Then the third piece is, do all of your employees know that same thing about themselves? So just like you as a company, you're really clear what you stand for, what your beliefs are, what your purpose is, what your culture is. Well, do each of your employees know that about their own lives? Like, how many of your employees, John, if we were to ask them, hey, do you know what your purpose is in being in this company? Do you know what your purpose is for your life? Do you know what your beliefs are? Because what I've found is the magic, the real magic and power is when you have an organization that the, the internal company culture and the internal brand is clear. But then you also have a workforce of people who they are clear about what they stand for and they can see the connection between the two. Like when you have employees inside of a company that can see the connection between their purpose in life and the company, those aren't employees anymore. Those are like partners in the business. They're like ambassadors for your brand. They care as much about the business as you do. And it's possible. Like that is so possible inside of every organization. And I believe that so many organizations are just leaving so much on the table when it comes to culture. Like they could have, they could have an organization with people, employees that are as connected and committed to the business as the owners themselves, but it takes real work to do that. It also takes keeping your egos in check. I know one of the big things that we have done here is we never speak in terms of I or me or you're working for it. We're one of the things in the, the original company associated crafts is we called it associated crafts because they weren't employees. They were associates together as associates. We were working with the sole single purpose in mind to have the best stained glass services, create the best product possible. And I rarely ever use the term or me or I, because it's always been we. At this stage, in anybody that's grown, there's no way that you can have a successful, large business that's going to be profitable and support all these families and do well and satisfy customers by yourself. You have to have key employees. And in order to get those employees to do things the way you want them, treat people like you want to treat, to treat customers like you want, is to create a brand that they all know, that they buy into. We always kid them that it's drinking the Kool-Aid. We want them to drink the Kool-Aid of our companies, bleed our our colors, and uh, we've been very successful with that. And I cannot urge uh, entrepreneurs and CEOs to to promote that. You know, just yesterday, I walked in to a jewelry store. I needed to get a battery put in a watch. And this is a large chain jewelry store. And I walked up and I said, I'd like to get this this uh, battery place. And she says to me, 
I don't, we don't do that unless you bought the watch here. And I looked at her and I thought to myself, and first of all, it was kind of snotty. She didn't want to serve the customer. She wasn't approachable. And somewhere corporately, they had created a culture where if we hadn't already bought that from them, we were nothing but an inconvenience to them. When I walked away, I said to Mary, I said, geez, how about the next six watches I buy, gifts for my family, friends, employees, whatever. I guess we don't need to buy them there. We'll go to the place that wants to serve us now when they don't need to, because those are the kind of people that we want to deal with. This is a very large corporate chain of jewelry stores. And I just can't imagine how upper management would create a culture that's so negative us to us. It's like, we're not going to serve you until you've bought from us and done something for you. And that, culture, that brand, that internal brand has started from above. I will, I will never buy from that store again as a result of that. I think it's short-sighted. My interest as a individual, as a customer is not at their heart. They're interested in what I can do for them first before they do for me. In my business, we go out and visit with a lot of potential customers who are never going to buy our services, don't have the money, uh, you know, are, are trying to figure out what they can do, whatever, whatever it is, or we lose it to somebody else. But we never think about it like that. We go out, we put our best foot forward, we do all we can do for them. And guess what? With that kind of dedication to the people, they end up coming back to us. And we obviously sell more than anybody else in our industry as a result. And I think that's been a big result of the internal brand that you've been speaking of. Uh, you know, the other thing that amazes me and, and, and we're going to be coming up on a break here pretty quick, but, and we'll get back into this. I'd like to have you, uh, you know, you speak to those comments, but then you go to some simple fast food restaurants, uh, and you know, there's chains of them. You go in, you get a coffee or whatever. And it amazes me the difference in a few of those fast food restaurants working with young um, employees, how they're able to get such a positive can do attitude from these. And, uh, I guess they, they have the ultimate in branding, you know, like in and out Chick-fil-A, the young men and, and ladies that work there do quite a, quite a great job. We need to take a short break. You're listening to the mentors. We're speaking with Chris Smith, the campfire effect. When you, when we return, Chris will comment towards those statements about the internal brand. We'll see you after the break. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio, where CEOs challenge your thinking about life and work. Remember, you can send us a note, find show notes, podcasts, and links to sponsors all for free at TheMentorsRadio.com. Write it down. You'll want it later. That's the mentorsradio.com. I'm John Phillips, your host for today. We've been talking to Chris Smith about learning how to create a company's culture through branding. Before the break, Chris, I was making some comments about some recent experience that I had with, with some companies, both positive and negative. And it just amazes me that upper management allows such a negative brand isn't the one thing. And also amazes me how 
those two fast food restaurants, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A and in and out you pull up there and you've got such great young people that are inexperienced in the workplace. They haven't been working long and they're enthused. They're doing a good job. There's a smile on their face. And I just, I want to hang out with the people that create that culture because it's just amazing what they can do, what they've done. So absolutely. And I hope the right before the break, if you, if you're a, if you're a leader in a business, especially CEO, if you go back and listen to that last segment, uh, like there's a million dollar idea in there, like for your business. And it's so simple, but it's like the most profound thing I think that might be said in this entire segment. Um, wait a second, a million dollar idea. Yeah, I believe so who so. should they make that check out to? Because I could really use that right now. I need more yeah, entry well, fees. I'm on the show. So there's going to be there's got to be some kind of split. Um, <laughs> okay. But John John referenced this experience of this jewelry store, and he referenced this this girl who was you know not very friendly at all and a little bit snooty, and said you know we don't repair watches that weren't sold here. It was what John said after that, and that is that culture was created by people above her before her. Like, if if you are a CEO of a company and you're not willing to accept 100% responsibility for something like that, there's no chance of improving. Like, like that's what real leadership looks like. Like, so the, the whoever whoever's the CEO of that jewelry store, in my opinion, and some people think I'm harsh on this, he or she is responsible for how that girl treated John. The question you have to ask yourself is how does that how is a girl like that even allowed to show up like that and act like that? Or if that's just that girl's way of being, like like if the company ever came out and said, Well, oh, that's just her. She doesn't represent our company, that's just her. Well it's like, well, how did she get to your company then? Who let her in? Like what what kind of hiring process do you have? Do you not have a hiring process that filters for culture? Do you not have a hiring process that really makes it clear who's a fit and who isn't? And so like John Let me tell you something else about that. If you have a defined culture, you won't, as a CEO or management, you'll rarely have to take care of her attitude and that kind of behavior because the other employees will police that as much as you do and they're right there with her side by side. And I have found out that they won't tolerate that behavior and they'll end up separating and taking care of its own. Yeah. One of the most profound things, John, we could do, we could do literally 10 segments just on this. And that is if you have a great company culture, and you've worked, and you know how much work you've put in to create that. The, the the one of the best investments you can make as an insurance policy is you create a really rigorous hiring process that only allows people that are a fit for your culture in. Like it's a rigorous, you make them really work in your hiring process to prove to you that they're a fit for your culture. Your high like most organizations' hiring process is so unintentional. Like. They put out a job posting. They ask, like, here's the skill sets we need. People come back with resumes. They interview them. They try to make a best guess. It's not, like, that's not strong enough. Like, you've got to have a hiring process that allows you to really protect your culture. So I'm getting off on a rant, but I thought that was important. But, but Well, you're right, because I've hired people that have been very, very experienced and have all the tools and end up not being the successful employees that we wanted and hire somebody that has the great attitude and all the try and the motivation. I can teach them, but I can't teach them to have motivation and care and try. If they bring me that, we can teach them how to, the skills in order to complete the job. But yeah, I can't take the skilled person that doesn't have the motivation and I can't teach them. Yeah, like John, I, 
And how many hiring processes are out there, John, that are only set up to filter for skill set? Most. Almost Most. every hiring process is only yes. only designed to look at skill set. Well, you know what? People can lie about skill set. People can game the system on skill set. Or they can have all the skill sets and still be a cultural nightmare, like a horrible culture fit. I've thought about starting a company just on helping organizations design cultural-based hiring processes so that you can always make sure. So, so to John's point, like, that girl isn't solely responsible for what happened in that interaction. It's the leadership. Like, it's the internal brand and the lack of clarity that creates that. You know, and I've used, I've used In-N-Out Burger and Chick-fil-A for years, John, as examples. It's like, how in a fast food industry, like the exact same industry, do you have places like In-N-Out Burger and Chick-fil-A that consistently, and I know they're not perfect, but they consistently deliver an amazing client experience. They're friendly, they're courteous, they're timely. Rarely do they ever get your order wrong or late. And then yet you have other competing fast food chains that are in the exact same industry. Very, very minute degree of difference in their business models, and yet they consistently disappoint. They can hiring from the same pool wrong. of people. Hiring from the same pool of people. And that, and to me, the difference of the two, John, is culture. But that culture is created by leadership. Like you can't separate the two. Like you can't have a misaligned leadership team and a leadership team that isn't living it and have a great culture. It just doesn't work. Like so, the reason why. Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger delivers such an incredible experience so consistently is because of the internal brand and the culture. But that internal brand and that culture, at some point in time, a group of leaders got in a room and decided and, like, got really clear and really committed to this is what we're creating, and we're not going to stray from it. So, Not only did they get in that room and create that and identify what it is that they wanted to promote, but those people themselves obviously live their life that way and want to be like that. Those are the things that are important to them, which states a lot about their character, their trust, what they're doing, what they want for the client. As you said, they wanted to create a client experience. Look, we all know that when we're going to fast food, we know what we're, we're, you know, we're not getting a sit down meal, you know, et cetera. We know what we expect, but we go there, we get it on time. We get it hot. We get it with, a friendly smile and somebody that tries or cares about it, it makes it a great experience. And that culture starts at the top. And like you said, you've got competing fast food restaurants in the same areas using the same talent pool to pull from. And yet a couple of them can pick successful candidates, create, bring them into a culture they succeed, excel at, while the others don't have the same results. And that starts at the top. Yeah. So, John, if I look at the progression of this, like, and how I would love to see this happen in organizations, is I would love to see leadership teams get really, really clear. And it's going to be hard. Like, it's, those are tough conversations. It's not something you figure out in a day. It may take months or years, but you commit as a leadership team that we are going to figure out what we stand for. We are going you know, to get clear on our brand and our culture. I agree. Chris, we're going to take a short break, and after the break, I'd like to come back and and talk about what you would do with those leadership teams and how you want to structure that and how people can methodically put that down and start working towards changing their culture with their brand. Perfect. We'll take a short break. You're listening to The Mentors. We're speaking with Chris Smith of The Campfire Effect, and when we return, he'll teach you more about 
how to tell your story, create your internal brand. We'll see you after the break. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors, where CEOs host challenge your thinking about life and work. Remember, you can send us a note, find show notes and podcasts, and links to our sponsors all for free at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. I'm John Phillips, your host today. We've been talking with Chris Smith. Before the last segment, we spoke about some of our experiences we've had with other companies and how their branding internally uh, has created cultures, both negative and positive. So, Chris, in the last segment, we had talked about those items, and you talked about right there towards the end that in order to change that, kind of the process would be you would assemble the leadership team and... Uh, start working some exercise with them. Tell us about that. It's a really powerful exercise you can take a leadership team through, and it's really simple. And the exercise is you sit the leadership team down and you have them write down. They don't talk to each other. Um, you have them write down what are the um, three things that you think your brand stands for today. That's the first question. And they all write them down. So, again, no sharing. Then you go around one of the one of the time and you have three the three each leader say here's the three things we think our brand stands for today, and that allows you to see how in alignment you are and then how out of alignment you are. And then you say okay now what are the three things you want our brand to be known for in the future that maybe it's not today. And you have every leader go around without talking and write down the three things they want the brand to be known for. And then again you look at those and you see where the alignment is the misalignment. And it, this isn't just a one time exercise like if you're going to turn around. You know, I've heard people say that for, for the number of years you've had an unintentional culture, it takes two to three months um, to turn that around, you know. And I don't, that's not pure science or hard data, but I, I trust some of the sources it's come from. But the reality is it doesn't happen overnight. You don't just go into a room one time and decide what you're going to be. But if the companies, as a leadership, the CEO, the, the, the core leaders are willing to get committed and, and put the time in and be patient enough, to get really clear on here's what our culture is, here's what we're going to stand for, here's our values, our beliefs, our purpose, here's what we're going to be known for. And then they live it first. They're a demonstration of it. Then they can take that clarity and start moving it down through the organization and creating alignment. And now that they're building it, they also want to protect it, which means I believe that most organizations could stand a serious revamping of their hiring process. To start looking at their hiring process and say, okay, how do we filter for skill sets? Because obviously we need people that can do the job. How do we start changing our hiring process to also filter for culture? How do we fil filter out the wrong culture fits from the beginning so that we don't have to fire a lot of people, so that we don't have the wrong people here? So clarity from the leadership team, getting that clarity put into your hiring process, making sure that your managers are really clear about that so they can actually start to govern and make decisions and have conversations that are guided by the culture, like everything through that lens. And then ultimately you start looking at your marketing, your branding, the things that go out into the external brand. You're like, is this in alignment with who we are? Does this communicate like what we really stand for and the market opportunity? And then to me, John, the most important piece is at some point in time helping your people see 
the connection between their purpose in life and who they are and your company. You know, like, John, one of the things that's really interesting to me is I ask CEOs all the time, do you want your employees to be really, really committed to your purpose as an organization? Like, do you want your employees to be really connected to the vision that you have for your company and to support that vision? And, of, of course. course, every CEO says, yeah, of course, sure. And I say, well, perfect. How much do you know about the vision they have for their life? So most, most leaders or managers, if you were to ask them, hey, how, how well do you really know the people you lead and you manage? Do you know the name of their spouses? Do you know the names of their kids? Do you know where they grew up? Do you know what they're, what's most important to them in life? Like the reason a lot of employees leave companies is because their goals outside the office aren't being met. So, again, we can't ask our people all the time to support our vision and to support our purpose as a company without also supporting theirs, right? So that, to me, is where that connection happens, where if, a, if, if an employee feels like, man, these guys really care about me, my life, not just me as an employee, they care about my life. They're interested in knowing about what's important to me in my life. They're interested in knowing about what's, what I want to create with my family. And they've helped me see that I can create that by working here at this company. So those are just some things that I would, those are, you know. Those are huge statements. We've actually, we have a couple things that we do. Um, number one, I mean, we do these because we think it's good, but we do them because we want to as well. One thing is we, everybody has a birthday uh, and we send it around that it's their birthday so that they, all their coworkers know, send them a birthday wish. We send them a birthday wish. Uh, one time a year, it's kind of a, kind of a nice thing. I don't know that a lot of companies do that. I mean, yes, they get a little uh, stipend for their birthdays so that they can go out and have dinner with their their significant other. We also, uh, one of the family members tries to talk to everybody involved in the company, every employee, around once a month. I mean, we have people out in the field. They're working at different locations. We try to uh, reach out to them. How are you doing? What's happening to my daughter? Uh, works a lot with the, you know, the hiring, firing, kind of the human, the, the HR part of it. And uh, it's one of the things that she does quite a bit with, just to follow up. So, you know, what do you want to tell us? What What is going on out there? Let it, be, let it be known. We also created a company newsletter. And in the newsletter, uh, we advertise some TED Talks, some things from Insperity, which is our co-employer, some educational things. We talk about some of the projects that are going on, some of the little backstories behind those projects. We also have a section where we, again, advertise the birthdays of employees, as well as each month we feature an employee or two, their life, their family, a little question and answer thing to help get them better involved. I've also, with the apprentice program, we've attempted to get them to uh, just continuing education because we feel like the more they know about their process, the processes of, of creating stained glass or restoring stained glass and getting involved, better involvement, better part of the team uh, is something that, I mean, that makes them like their job, makes them feel part of something. Uh, it's amazing to me, like in the United States Armed Services, how many fellows have come to us and ladies that have come to us that have been in the armed service and how proud they are to be part of that team. And the Army has created a team environment and people have excelled in it and it's been pretty successful. Uh, and I think that's all I think as CEOs and business owners, 
we need to really work to uh, involve, be involved with our employees, involve them with us, and involve them with the thoughts of the companies and help you know, create the culture, help them create the culture. It's always kind of moving and fluid and help them be part of it. Yeah, and John, what's interesting about all those amazing tips and like things you shared, how much time and money does that really take for you guys to do those things as an organization? Not much. Yeah, like really simple. Like most of the things that, you know, I think we miss it sometimes when we're trying to, when we're thinking about culture and we think about employee, you know, recognition and perks and, you know, we, we think of all these really amazing big, big things we can do. And those are cool. Like I'm not saying that really big perks and some really exciting things aren't, but I think what people and research has shown, they would just more, they would rather, they would rather have just consistent, like just consistent recognition and appreciation. You know, that's another thing that in that book, the trust factor that really kind of shines light on this idea of how important uh, culture is to the growth of your business is, you know, we, we Chris, take let's hold that about the trust factor until after the break. We need to take a short break. Okay, perfect. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm speaking, this is John Phillips. I'm speaking with Chris Smith of the Campfire Infect. When we return after the break, we'll have Chris tell us a little more about the internal branding. And now... Back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to the Mentors Radio. My name is John Phillips, and I'm speaking with Chris Smith of the Campfire Effect. Chris, before the break, you were talking about the book, The Trust Factor. Yeah, one of the things in the book, John, we're just talking about these real simple things you can do to build some culture. And one of the things they talk about in the book is, you know, recognition like it's amazing like the research has shown that a lot of employees even over compensation increases or other benefits like most of them would just love some more recognition just being recognized for the job they're doing and how well they're doing it and so a lot of the things that are so powerful in building culture don't cost a lot of money they don't take a ton of time it does require some intentionality and it does require um, some real consistency, just like some of the things that you guys have implemented with the newsletter and, and the birthday wish and, you know, just that stuff I think goes a lot farther than we think it will. Yeah. I think I think CEOs would take – it would help their businesses a lot if they would take some of the understandings of the culture and really work on creating. And like you said, the exercise with the management team – asking them three things they think the brand stands for and three things they think it should stand for. I think that's an incredible exercise and doesn't cost much and you should do it on your next Monday morning meeting. Over the years, I've gotten to to uh, basically go in and do cleanup on several businesses or start them and the last one being the one that we blended together. And it's really interesting when you go into somebody else's business, you don't really know what's going on. You start interviewing people and Every time I've done this, I think four times, every time I've got into those businesses, the person that everybody basically thought ran the show was the most important person in the business ended up being the biggest problem. And the reason why is that person was usually very competent skill wise, uh, but felt underappreciated 
uh, was doing a lot of the training, a lot of the teaching. The fellow workers looked up to them and they were unhappy in their position. So they were basically bringing a cancer into the organization. And each and every time those four people, we end up having to terminate. And once we did, we found somebody that had the, the abilities, maybe not to the person that we had let go, but had the desire, the motivation, seen the vision, wanted to create a happy, positive culture and be part of that. And as we changed the culture from the top down and got rid of those people, it was amazing how much they were able to prosper as a company. And not months before that person was there, most of the people, including upper management, did not think that those businesses could operate without that person. They thought they were the most important thing. And the reality was they were usually destroying culture. They thought they were the most important because of the skills they had. But the reality is of what makes employees the most important is the attitude, the desire, the team feeling, wanting to work with others, wanting to be a good teammate. I think people in general want to be good teammates and they want to prosper in a business. And it's up to us as CEOs and entrepreneurs and colleagues to work every day for the betterment of ourselves, our colleagues, and the company to work in a positive manner, creating that internal brand, be on the same page, communicate about it. It's sure been fun having you on, Chris. I hope to get you back from time to time. I know you're busy flying all over the world. I would love to see a picture of you with that bolo tie and your cowboy boots straight off the ranch in Pima, Arizona, in India, Bombay, <laughs> India. That had to be interesting. I bet they, I bet you got a lot of looks there. Yeah, they, that, they'd never seen a cowboy, they said, so that was really cool. Yeah, exactly, and a really good one, too. You've been listening to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm your host, John Phillips. For today, we've been talking with Chris Smith about harnessing the power of your brand to create culture in your company. Each week, you can see the episodes on TheMentorsRadio.com, and we look forward for you to be on each episode. Don't miss a single episode. And remember, be all that you can be, and keep a candle lit for those who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.